0: Jewish audio on Kabbalah.org. Welcome, continuing in the laws of Brochos, laws of blessings, Mishnah Torah of the Rambam, chapter 6. Kol HaPas Shem We earlier defined that bread is made of five different grains. And this is what we refer to as bread. Anyone who eats this bread has to, the bread is defined as the bread upon which you make the bracha of Hamotzi, requires washing of the hands before breaking bread, as well as following the meal. The afalpi, even though shehi, that this bread which is being consumed in this meal is paschulin, is mundane bread, which means there was during the time of the Beis Hamikdash holy bread, sacred bread, sacrificial bread, truma bread. This is mundane bread. So why do I need to wash my hands? It's not truma, it's not special bread that the Kohen ate. Furthermore, the person could say, my hands are not dirty. Why do I have to wash my hands? He's not even aware of an impurity which came upon his hands. Lo yochal, he should not eat, at she shte until both his hands are washed, mirroring the washing of the kohen of the priest, the kohen in the Besha hamikdash, where someone poured a cup of water over both hands held out like this together. The chain, and so also not only bread. But cold, anything which is immersed in liquid, like a vegetable or a fruit. Immersed in liquid, not dry yet, requires the washing of the hands prior to the consumption of this vegetable or fruit, which was dipped in liquid. Now, a little bit of a background. The Gemara Shabbos 14b states that the washing of the hands, before partaking in sacrificial offerings and sacrifices, was instituted by King Solomon. So when we talk about the fact that Shlomo HaMelech ordained one of the seven rabbinic laws, hand-washing, specifically he ordained hand-washing preceding sacrifice eating. Hillel, the great Hillel and Shammai, extended this practice to include truma, the food eaten by the Kohanim, and the great rabbi Eliezer, or Elozer ben Aruch, widened the scope of this ordinance to include even unconsecrated foods, as explained in Geborah Chulun. Now, this decree was also intended to remind the koanim to keep their hands ritually pure while consuming truma. It was, however, not instituted not only for koanim, but for the nation as a whole, so that washing of hands became a universally accepted practice. And even after the destruction of the Holy Temple, when it was no longer possible to practice the laws of ritual purity, this mitzvah was continued in the hope that the Besan Migdash, the Holy Temple, would soon be rebuilt and the Koine would resume their previous obligations. That's an historical overview of ritual hand-washing before partaking in bread. Now, the washing of hands before consuming a vegetable or fruit that was dipped in liquid or that had liquid come over it dates back to the fact that the koanim also had truma taken from oil and wine. By and large, we do not observe that today, which means if you're going to take a wet carrot and eat it today, by and large, people will not wash their hands as they will before eating bread. There is one notable exception, and that is at Pesach Seder, where we dip karpas, parsley, or whatever other vegetable we use. Some people use onion, potato, parsley, in salt water. Everyone washes reminiscent of this practice. So you learned uh, a little bit of a fact today that the hand, if you haven't known it before, that the hand washing before the parsley dipped in salt water at the Seder is reminiscent, is rooted in this law. Now he says, what is the definition of hand-washing? Kol <speaking in> ha <Hebrew> noitol one who washes one's hands, bein <speaking> lachila, <Hebrew> whether one is going to eat. Like a meal, bread. Bein la sh'ma, bein We learned earlier that one needs to wash one's hands before one says the Shema and before one recites the amidah, and I believe he's talking about first thing in the morning, he has to first make a blessing after he washes his hands. Asher or actually has to make a blessing before he washes his hands, technically. Asher al Yadaim, who sanctified us with his commandments and commanded us with the law of Nitilat Yadaim, the washing of the hands. Shazu mitzvaschakomim. This is a rabbinic command. We were commanded by Torah law. lishmoa may hand to follow the teachings of our sages. As it says in the Torah, according to the laws, which they, the rabbis, will teach you. He brings down here in one of the notes that the word netilas, yodayim, is a strange word. The vessel used to wash people's hands back then would be called a nikla or natla, nun, kes, lamed aleph. That was the name of the hand-washing vessel. So that's how the name netilas yodayim came about, another fact for your collection of facts. O'mayim what about the after-water that we wash before, grace after meals, there is no blessing for that, because the after meal, water washing, washing is not really a ritual, it's more for safety. It's to deal with any type of chemical residue that may have been left on the hands from food that may have had a strong chemical component, and one might rub one's eyes, uh, specifically he talks about the salt of the Dead Sea, which could be sometimes in, in food processing and so on, and you could rub your eyes. That's the main purpose of the after-meal hand-washing as discussed in the rabbinic literature. A person should be meticulously observant in the after-meal washing. What about the washing of hands between courses? People used to also wash their hands between courses. And more so then than today, people ate with their hands. So their hands would become sullied. And the server would bring uh, water to wash the hands between courses. Is this also part of the ritual? He says, no, Rishus, this is optional. Ratsa, if he wants to, Naitl, he can wash his hands. Ratsa, if he wants to, Ain't a doesn't have to wash his hands. Vegetables, we talked about earlier, requires the washing, But the regular fruits, if they're not dipped in water, do not require this hand-washing. Ch'a Naitl, Yodav, but anybody who does, it could appear to be arrogant. So the hand-washing is for bread and for vegetables or fruits dipped in water, not the dry. And the reason is because there are no fruits that were dipped in... There were no fruits that were truma, only the wine and the oil. Okay. Kol pas melech be. Any bread that has salt needs the after eating hand washing. Perhaps it will have the sea salt from Sodom, a melach or a very powerful chemical like the sea salt of Sodom. And he'll rub his eyes with his fingers, and God forbid, he'll be blinded. Because of this, chayavim one is obligated, little Yodayim, to wash one's hands, be at the end, call sudah every meal, be mipne because of this powerful salt. Ovamachne, in an army camp, where the Torah gave leniency because you're on the front lines. Piturim, the Torah exempts people, minetilos yodaim betchila, from washing hands before the meal. Because they're preoccupied with the war, so if it's not easily available, don't worry about it. But they are certainly obligated with the after washing, because the same danger of the salt exists during time of war as not during time of war. There's a very famous story of a gentleman who resides to this day in the Crown Heights community, who was drafted into the Korean War. And before he went into the army, he went to see the Rebbe. And the Rebbe blessed him that he should come back in good health. But the Rebbe told him to be meticulous about hand-washing before eating bread, before meals. We just learned here that in time of war, there was a leniency. The Rebbe told him, don't be lenient. Whenever possible, wash your hands before bread. And he, of course, went to the army and, and went to the front lines and would always go out of his way to wash his hands. And one day he was about to break bread and there was no water. So he ducked out and went to find water into the wood area, to the forest area, and a few minutes later he heard a big burst, a big boom, and his whole group of whatever was uh, battalion or whatever size group that he was with were bombed and blown up and they lost their lives and his life was spared due to the fact that he meticulously adhered to the Instruction of the Rebbe to go and do everything he can to adhere to the hand-washing, even on the front lines in Korea. So, it's just an interesting story which uh, every good Chabad child grew up with uh, if they were born and raised after the Korean War. Okay. When we talk about hand washing, how far down the hand are the hands washed? Adaperek, until the wrist. how much water? Reviis, a revies, which we've established according to the Kahat chumash, is 2.91 ounces for every two hands. So you hold two hands together, and you need 2.91 ounces poured over the two hands. <clears throat> the way they used to wash is like they did in the Besamigdash. Somebody washed your two hands. Today, we do it differently. Also today, we're going to soon talk about the fact that if, somebody, if your hands are washed, and then the water, the impure water drips back, your hands become impure again from the impure water, which is why, by and large, today it's customary to wash twice on each hand or Three times on each hand, and that has to do with washing off the impure water. So, the common custom today is not to wash the hands together like this, but one, two, one, two, or the Chabad custom and many others is one, two, three, one, two, three. <clears throat> Anything that is considered as a separation. When it comes to immersion in a mikvah is also considered separation when it comes to washing the hands. So one has to be careful what is on one's hands. I mean a common problem if you have a band-aid on your hand or other stuff or, or dye. The Khalha mikvah and any liquids that could be included in the measurement of a mikveh, ala shit could be included in making up this minimum amount of water called a and examples uh, that, that are given are like snow. According to the halacha, snow, if taken properly, not being encased in a vessel, could be used to fill a mikveh. And the classic uh, situation is, in places like California, when the mikveh is ready and it's not the rainy season, what do you do? You create... <clears throat> Boxes, plastic boxes with holes like plastic milk carts, and you go up on the mountains where there's snow and you create plastic shovels with holes in them. So it's not simple. And you fill these boxes, take them into the mikveh, there's your rainwater, but you really got to know what you're doing. So that's a classic example of where snow <clears throat> could be used to fill a mikveh. So melted snow, unless it becomes disqualified by something that happened to it, can also be used to wash. Ritually wash one's hands. Hey, Anybody who needs hand washing, And when instead, immersed his hands in mikvah water, he's done. Because if the mikvah can purify a body, it can purify hands as well. But if he immersed his hands in a mikvah that's not enough volume to be a mikvah, or just a pool of water that's in the ground, the permissibility that the Rambam talks about, of dipping hands in a mikvah is a real mikvah. Because regular <coughs> water that is not in a mikvah can only purify one's hands. When it's poured over... By human strength. <clears throat> this is called koach, gabra, the strength of a person. You need a human being, we'll soon talk about if it, it could be non-human, to pour the water on the hands. Six, kala naitol yod of anybody who washes his hands, sarach lizar bar must be meticulous and be concerned about four components. Bemayim the water itself should not be considered unacceptable water for hand-washing, and this will be defined. The <laughs> amount, that there be this revius measure of water for each two hands. It should be in a vessel. You can't just have water. You need a water in a vessel, and the vessel has to be an appropriate vessel. And the one who pours it, that it has to come from an energy of an entity pouring the water, not flowing water. We talk about the water, that the water itself should not be unfit. There are four things which make water unfit. If the color changes or it's left uncovered. In general, there's a halacha that says that if there's a cup of water, like I have a cup of water right here, and this cup of water is left uncovered all night, I may not drink from it. And the reason for that is, is we're concerned that a snake or a scorpion injected poison in the water. So it became a halacha <clears throat> that uncovered water, may not be used if it was uncovered, unsupervised, for a long period of time. That type of water should also not be used for ritual washing. V'asiyas melochabohen, or water that was used in manufacturing, in in working, in in, in a factory, the hefsid, or the water becomes Spoiled where an animal wouldn't drink it because it's disgusting. So those are the four marisam. now let's define these one by one, water which changes color, Bain whether it's in the vessel, Bain something are in the ground, whether something fell into it. place they're not fit.. So also, they were left uncovered in a manner that becomes forbidden to be drunk. again, as, relates, as, as related earlier, for fear that venom was released into the water, they're also unfit for hand washing. Eight, <coughs> any water that was used for labor, for work, you use this in a, in a task, nasu shayfchen, they are called sewage water. Upsulin you don't wash your hands with sewage water. Ketzad, for example, mayim shuvim, still water, water that had been drawn from its source, not living water. Shaydiyach kalim, you wash dishes in them, and now you want to take this dish water and wash your hands. A sho- shut up be- be- Peter you already soaked his bread in this water. Okay, or, or similar. Bain Bekalim, whether it's in a vessel. Bain Bekakos are in the ground. Psulin, they're unfit. us you die for washing of the hands. Hidiachbaim Kalim, Mudakham e however, if he washed, washed vessels in them. Or new vessels, like Solomon that does not invalidate them because they're washed, or new vessels. Mayim shanachun Metabo bohen water in which a baker dips his kichels or his crackers, again are unfit, but water, which he uses to baste the dough when kneading, sticks his hand in and takes a little water, that's still kosher, because it's only the water in his palm which was used for a task, Abel Hamayim shechafon mahem, but the water from which he took had a and they maintain their acceptability as before. Nine v'chol mayim any water that a dog wouldn't drink, Kigan shayu morim, not fit for a dog. For example, they were bitter, a meluchim, or or salty, a yachurim, or dirty, a re'achar, or smelly. Actually, the man keliv. The litmus test is if a dog wouldn't drink them. The kalim, if they are in vessels, psulim nutil shadaim, they're unfit. Or the karkas, but if the above water is in the ground, kshedim lahatbil, then technically one may immerse one's hands in them because technically this dirty water could be used as a mikveh because it's a setting of a mikveh. Chame tveria. What about the hot springs of Tiberias? In Tiberius, in their original natural setting, you can dip your hands in. But if you took the hot springs water in a vessel, or you dug a canal and had it go somewhere else, you can't wash. Not the early waters, the first waters, not the last waters. Because this is so chemically laden, an animal wouldn't drink from it. It's too salty and so on. One can pour water over one's hands little by little until the entire minimum amount of water is consumed, or v'im nason or pour the whole revi'is, the two point nine one ounces or whatever it was, at once. kosher, it's also good. So he has a choice of doing it slowly but surely or in one time four or five people can have their hands lined up if there's a shortage of water, and one guy can pour on all of them. If they're holding their hands one next to another, or if there's space between them, they're holding hands on top of each other in a way that the water can get around. With one pouring, as long as their hands are loose, so the water should come between them. Also, there has to be a revius that measure for each and every one of the sets of hands. 11. You can't wash hands. Not with the walls of vessels. You're going to use the wall of a vessel for a washing cup. Not with the base of a samovar not with pieces of earthenware, or the covering of a jug. All of these things are unfit vessels. However, if you took the barrel cover and made it a vessel, that's fine, then it became a vessel. Or a barrel that was modified like a wine pouch, you can wash hands, but a sack or a basket, although they've been modified, you cannot wash hands. Furthermore, one cannot place water in one's palms and use one's palms as a vessel and then wash someone else. That doesn't work. Broken vessels cannot be used. How can we define a broken vessel, anything that if it's broken becomes pure once again and leaves its state of impurity, the halacha says that a vessel becomes impure, and the only way to get it out of its impurity sometimes is to break it so it loses the title vessel. If it's broken to that extent, a naiselimba a nais limbahemla you can't use it for hand washing with Neshain Shiva because they're broken. The bottom line is, is that when we use something a vessel to wash hands. We have to make sure it's a complete, unbroken, uncracked vessel. Twelve <speaking in Hebrew> vessel doesn't matter what it's made from, as long as it meets the above requirements. Even vessel that's made out of dried cow dung or earth, provided they're whole. <speaking in Hebrew> And, of course, we're talking about dried cow dung, not uh, soft cow dung. Kli <laughs> machzik a vessel that doesn't hold that minimum. E'en a nin it can't be used for hand washing. Who can pour the water? <clears> Ha'kel <throat> yadayim. Anyone can pour the water. off k'shedim li'itnai adayim. even people who are unfit for other halachic obligations, such as a deaf mute or someone... Who is not mentally capable, or someone who is a minor, if there's no one else, ben then one can even place the vessel between one's knees, al and kind of pour it over one's hands. or he can pour the water from the barrel, a Achas or he can tip one hand and pour the water over each hand. he take one hand at a time. And here's an interesting halacha. A monkey. If you have a monkey and you say, Mr. Monkey, will you wash my hands? The monkey can wash your hands. Tomorrow I want everybody to bring in your monkeys for show and tell. <clears throat> Fourteen. Hashekis, a trough a which a person pours water into by using a pulley, and the water goes into the trough. Then it goes down a canal, and it and waters vegetables, animals. And he places his hands in this trough with the running water. And the water went and washed his hands. Sounds good, right? Nope. It's not considered washing. Because there's no human power pouring the water on his hand. But if his hands were close to where the pail pours water into the trough. So you have the water pouring from human power also. That works. If one is in doubt whether... Something was done, work was done, with this water or not. And if one is not sure whether it has enough volume or not, if they're pure or impure, if a person is not sure if he washed or he didn't watch, any doubt is pure. Any doubt arises in this arena, then the verdict is it's pure, and the reason is a consistent reason. Any rabbinic law, doubt, is always interpreted to the lenient side. 16. The first waters which are washed, meaning the waters, the hands must be lifted above, so the water should not go outside the area of the Yachs, to the if you hold your hands like this, the water will go here and then come back, and that'll make your hands impure. You've got to make sure your hands don't become impure, and, which is why, and that's the reason why we wash twice or three times, to wash the wash water off. The Akrenim and the afterwaters, you want the water to pour down, because you want the salt to go off, as I said earlier. The first waters could be washed in a vessel or on the ground. We don't want the after waters to be washed on the ground, only in a vessel. The first waters could be washed with hot water or cold water. The last waters, because of the chemical issue, we want it only with cold if the water is warm enough, it does not remove the dirt, because you can't really go like this, but if they're just warm, you can use them for the after waters. A person can wash his hands in the morning, and conditions that hand washing to affect the whole day, which is by and large what we do, I believe. We wash our hands in the morning, we say, and we don't go wash our hands again and again. We're not talking about food. Now, he says, Even for food, this could apply, if he's not going to remove his focus from the cleanliness of his hands but if he removed this focus, Obviously he has to wash his hands every time he's going to have a meal. If one has to, one can wrap one's hand in a towel. These days, they use a plastic baggie and eat it without washing if one has to. If somebody feeds others, he doesn't need. To wash his hands, but the eater must wash his hands. Even somebody else is feeding him. He's not touching the food, so it's not about touching the food. For the same goes, if they use an invention called a fork, you still have to wash your hands even though you're eating with a fork. You You still have to wash your hands. So it's not about touching the food. 19. It's forbidden to feed one who did not wash his hands. Even though he's putting it in his mouth, you could say, Hey, you put the food in my mouth, I don't have to wash. That's not kosher. One should not take lightly or treat with disdain the whole idea of hand washing. Our sages gave us many instructions regarding this. If a person only has enough water to drink and he doesn't have enough water, <inaudible> he should use part of that water to wash his hands and then he can eat. And then he can drink a little bit of the water. There's a, uh, a, a, a memoir written by Rebitson Chana Schneerson, mother of the Lubavitcher Rebbe, she writes about the difficult, horrific days of the imprisonment and exile of her husband, Rabbi Levi Yitzchak Schneerson, a blessed memory, father of the Rebbe. And he died in exile. He suffered and they, they killed him. So she writes that very often he didn't have water. The fact that he didn't have drinking water didn't upset him that much. But the fact that he didn't have water to wash his hands with, he couldn't handle that. That killed him. So here we see a tzaddik was more concerned with water for hand-washing than he was for drinking. 20 tzarech odom l'nagib es yoda It is appropriate for a person to wipe his hands before he eats. Chalai chabalein nigav yadayim anybody who eats with wet hands kai chalechem talmitz as if he eats impure bread. And also the after waters one should wipe one's hands and then do the grace after meals. The take up on until yadayim berchusah. Most of the grace after meal should come right after the washing. You shouldn't interrupt with another action. I feel even to drink water. Even after he drinks water for the after blessing, also is forbidden. Until he does the blessing of grace after meals. I just want to add one thing, which I neglected to point out, an important point. And that is, generally speaking, we make a bracha before we do the act. First, the bracha, then the act. But we don't do that when it comes to washing. When it comes to washing, first we wash. And then we make the bracha. Why? Because we're concerned that our hands were impure and we don't want to make a bracha with impure hands. So we postpone the bracha for after the washing, yet we do something with our hands to make it like we're washing now. And that's just a little tidbit of halachic importance which I did want to point out. End of chapter 6.